Steven Silas's future with the Houston Rockets, the dynamic between he and Rafael Stone, and as it pertains to the on-the-court product that we see on a nightly basis, is Christian Wood the biggest issue in the Rockets' front court? We'll break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, as well as co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. Today's episode of Locked on Rockets is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Go check out Truebill. Now, we've got a lot to dive into on today's episode, a lot going on. Uh, some rumors circulating about the Rockets' front office, Steven Silas's future with the organization, and none other than one Kelly Eco here to break it all down with us as he is each and every week. Kelly, what's going on, my guy? Hey, same old stuff, but just a different day. But yeah, it's never a dull day in Rockets, uh, in the Rockets world, if that makes sense. And definitely, definitely not, right? I mean, and you know, it seems like you know we spoke last week and we talked about you know the the potential changes on the horizon for this Rockets team. Stephen Silas right. talking about making some adjustments, and we saw. Some adjustments, uh, much to the chagrin of Rockets fans everywhere with Daniel House Jr. being injected into the starting lineup. And then we saw things revert back to the starting lineup with with Daniel Tice and Christian Woods sharing the front court. But where things have kind of come to a head now is we have this report coming out from Jake Fisher of, of Bleacher Report talking about the dynamic between Steven Silas and, and Rafael Stone and, and basically Silas's future with the organization. And this is something that you and I have, you know, hinted on before, but haven't really dived completely, you know, into yet. And I think that at this point, as it stands, there are a lot of different angles that we can, you know, kind of approach Steven, the Steven Silas topic from where I'd like to start with you, Kelly is first off, I think it's absolutely important to, you know, remind Rockets fans, right. That Steven Silas was brought in to be a championship caliber coach, right? He was brought in to coach James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and, and, you know, have a shot at, at playoff contention and title contention. And then suddenly got thrust into this role of, you know, spearheading a rebuild. So how important to you is it to consider that when we look, you know, through this lens of how to evaluate Steven Silas to this point as the Rockets head coach? Uh, I think it's very important. Um, there are so many coaches in this league and there are so many styles of coaching and so many, you know, situations that are good for some, not good for others. And when the Rockets went through the interview process, looking for who's going to be the next guy after Mike D'Antoni left, it was about somebody who could maximize the backcourt. You know, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, 
it kind of came to a head in that bubble in the playoff against the Lakers. And you kind of saw how a smart defensive team could kind of undo the Rockets, everything they, that they did throughout the course of the season. So Steven Silas showed that he convinced the Rockets brass that, you know, he could take those guys and put them to greater heights and kind of almost bring the Rockets more sexy. Like the, the offense was, it wasn't, it was kind of bland, you know, the seasons passed and it was, it was efficient, but, and he didn't know, you know, new nuances, new tricks, stuff like that. So that's why he was brought in. Obviously things changed pretty quickly. You know, James Harden forced his way out as did Russ. You know, now you're left with the remains of a, what was a, a contender and you have to put together some kind of a roster on the fly and you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with COVID, you're dealing with, you know, an ever-changing NBA landscape. And it kind of caught them off guard. And, you know, going into this offseason, you know, drafting four rookies, understand that there is a plan in place, but also understand that it's going to take a while. You know, this is not what Steven Silas was brought to do. This is not the team he saw in, the, in that summer whenever he interviewed for the job. So you kind of have to be realistic and understand that, you know, this is not what he was. This 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 was not what, what he expected. It's not what he signed up for. So with that further. Being said, oh, sorry. Go ahead. With, sorry. With that being said, um, the the main reason for I guess Rockets fans' frustrations is not more so the record, but it's how they've looked in, in the course of getting to that record. So I think that's where it all stems from. Yeah. No. And I mean, I, I frankly, some of my you know interpretations of what we're seeing on the court, you know, I I, I sympathize with, with Rockets fans, and I completely understand where a lot of them are coming from. Um, and, and it sounds like executives around the league are kind of in the same boat. Um, further along in the Fisher article for Bleacher Report, um, saying you know Silas's coaching performance has been met with some critics around the league. Rival coaches characterize the Rockets' offense as disorganized and undisciplined, with chronic turnover issues and poor shot selection uh continue on to state you know the rockets boast the league's worst offensive efficiency and assist to turnover ratio which is something that we are subjected to watching on a nightly basis so it's not only just and i feel like kelly at this point yes there's a certain amount of blame to be put on yes there's a lot there's a lot of youth on this team but maybe even like at times right silas has maybe like an over-reliance on like the vets on this yeah. roster, trying to trying to do a little bit too much with them. And I understand the concept of, you know, a free flowing offense where there's, you know, minimal set minimal, you know, set designs and play calls, you know, up and down the court, trying to let his players really feel out the game for themselves. But I think when you look at this team and how disorganized they've been on a consistent basis, I think at this point, Silas has to step in and start having more of like, you know, like an ironclad fist about like what's going to happen and what's not going to happen on the court because they need structure. And I think that's kind of the readily apparent thing so far with this season. So, you know, to your point about, you know, the structure and, and not having that, so, to some degree, it's expected because you are heading to a rebuild with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. at the helm. There are two guys that are still learning on the fly and you're going to have a lot of mistakes. You're going to have a lot of turnovers, a lot of sloppy play at times, but yeah, you were right about the over-reliance on veterans. And that's to the point of that's kind of who Steven Silas is. He's never been known as a development, young rebuild kind of guy. He's someone that's always known veterans and how to get the best out of them. And that's why you see him relying on Daniel Tice. That's why you see him calling the DJ Augustine, the Daniel house, or David Waba, Eric Gordon, because that's what he, that's what he's used to. So, until the Rockets, and I said this before, but until they know what their identity is, they have an identity crisis right now. They don't know what they want to do. 
because we have a coaching staff that understands that they have young players, but they still want to play the veterans. We have a front office that wants to develop and get better for the future. Um, they don't, they want to make the, they want to have a clear plan for, you know, three or four years down the line. And you have a fan base that's hungry for wins and wants to see good basketball. When you put all that together, you see what the mess that they're in right now. And the frustration level is rising daily. Um, you're seeing guys, even the things they're saying post-game, press, even pre-game, like you can tell that frustration is setting in. Um, and being at 116, you know, the worst team in the league, yes, the fans can get excited about the future with Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, and stuff like that. But that's a long ways away. And you still have to go through the months. Still have to go through. We're not even December yet. And they already look like they, there's no real clear plan right now. And that's kind of what you see, according to you know Jake's article, why you see coaches around the league saying that the offense looks disorganized because the Rockets don't know what they want to do. They say they want to play fast, but they make a lot of mistakes. They, they don't want to have a lot of sets. When you don't have a lot of sets and you have young players playing, it's not going to look pretty. It's just, it's just not. And that's why people have been calling for a John Wall to play. People have been calling for, you know, something like that. But that also goes back to Steven Silas and the veterans. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's a cash way too. Like you, it's, it's hard for them to kind of put a front foot forward and, and kind of make a clear path from here because it just looked a mess to this point. Coming up, I want to keep the conversation focused on on the Stephen Silas topic as well as, you know, just kind of a couple of the other points that I want to make, you know, before we segue into talking a little bit about Christian Wood. We'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about, right? Like, because that's happened to me before. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Look, because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts with Truebill and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button. It's that easy. Don't fall for the subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And another message from our friends over at Built Bar because it's Thanksgiving right around the corner, right? Less than 24 hours away. And I love Thanksgiving just as much as the next person. All the good food, all all the great, uh, you know, all the great desserts, everything. But maybe you want like a yummy treat, yummy dessert that isn't just chock full of calories, right? It's the perfect time of year for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end, right? Most Built Bars are only around 130 calories and four grams of sugar, plenty of protein. Every single Built Bar, right? Low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they've got so many amazing flavors to choose from, right? Instead of the coconut cream pie, grab a coconut Built Bar, right? Instead of a raspberry pie, grab some raspberry Built Bar, right? you got plenty of substitution options for this holiday season. Check out all the available products at built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your very next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. 
and continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball with the athletic beat reporter for your Houston Rockets, Kelly Eco. Now, Kelly, I think if we if we were to take like a, you know, a step back and look at the season through like a 10,000 foot lens, right? You know, coming in, the I think the idea was, you know, this was supposed to be a developmental season. I think where a lot of the frustrations kind of stem from is, you know, we don't, you talk about the identity crisis that this team is facing. Right. You know, we, we don't have a clear direction and seemingly, you know, where I stand on Steven Silas, you know, I'm not sitting here calling for him to be fired. I'm, I'm not. I think that would be premature. Um, but I think that if you look at what has transpired over these first, you know, over these first, what, 16 games, 17 games, yeah. wherever they're at, yeah. you know, um, one and se- one and 16 math is hard. There we go. 17 games. Um, so, you know, if you look at these first handful of games and what the season has looked like, I think the biggest concern is that if there was supposed to be an emphasis placed on the development of the backcourt of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, you know, you're icing John Wall because you want the ball in KPJ's hands. You want those two guys to develop. You don't want John Wall impeding that. But then the decisions and the lineup and the roster, you know, rotations to this point haven't exactly complemented that objective because you're making life harder on your supposed backcourt of the future by running a Daniel Tice and a Christian Wood in the front court together because of the spacing issues that we've seen. And so that's where, you know, you get in, you, you know, Rockets on a 15 game slide. And seemingly, you know, very few minimal adjustments being made through that stretch. So that's where I can see the frustration and a, a solid chunk of blame landing on Steven Silas. <clears throat> and at this point, you know, I haven't personally seen anything from Steven Silas to this point that makes me think, yes, I firmly believe he can be the guy for the future of this, of this organization. That said, I don't think, I don't know if he necessarily is going to get fired this season. I don't know if they're going to, I just don't know if he's going to be the one to see this rebuild through to the right. end. Right. And, and that's kind of currently where I stand on him. Yeah. And that's kind of the biggest question mark when you do start a rebuild because it's such a long process and you kind of have to view things from both the macro and the micro lens. You know, you do want to see day-to-day developments. You do want to see guys improving in certain aspects of their game. And to this point, Jalen Green has gotten better you know, in, 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 his, in his playmaking, you know, when, when to turn the corner, when to stop and set guys up. He's deferred a bit too much uh, for my liking. But yeah, to, the, the spacing has been terrible, and I'm not sure why Wood and Tice are still starting together. It's by far the worst pairing in the league, um, and the reason why people are calling for Alperen Shengun to start is because even though he's not a great shooter himself, he's able to use that space effectively because he's such a crafty playmaker, with, and he has a high IQ for the game, which allows Christian Wood to space out, which allows him to be kind of a high post playmaker and find guys and you know, the behind-the-back dimes are crazy, and he attracts so much attention because he's such a quirky individual. You know, you kind of have to try and stop him, and he's young, and he's, he has experience. And that's why you see people calling for that switch because as much as Dan Tice is a great defensive player, he's not going to help Jalen Green's development by any means uh, if he continues to play 30-plus minutes a night. The only good thing I'll say about that last two games, um, if you look at the match between Shangun and Tice, they're kind of even now. So maybe the coaching staff sees that Shangun should be in the, in the lineup and they kind of wing ties out the lineup. But to this point, if you're prioritizing Green and Porter, uh, you haven't done a lot to prioritize that, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And again, you know, I think it's so important you talk about kind of, you know, macro micro view of of the season. And, you know, from a macro view, that's that's one of the biggest concerns is this season should be about development. And it feels like there aren't enough moves being made to further the development of of the you know the grand scale of this season and you know even when you look at that from a game by game you know basis when you're when you're getting more granular with it it's not contributing to the grand scheme of what the objective of this season should be which is it's the ultimate concern for rockets fans which is why i think even through a one in 16 start if there was you know we're, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season and it doesn't feel like there has been like this gigantic push towards development being made and i think that's that's ultimately a big concern i want to go back to this one other piece from the jake fisher article talking about rafael stone and kind of his presence um the article citing that you know on one occasion stone you know walked on the practice court to preach defensive philosophy uh sources said and, and is known to consult players on tactical improvements um you know, going on to say that if you were to make a change at head coach, it seems that Stone would maintain a similar level of influence over the coaching staff and the Rockets rotation, uh, which is an increasing trend around the NBA. So does this do you see this as, you know, Rafael Stone being quite a bit more hands on as to what we're seeing as far as the on the court product that the Rockets are putting on a nightly basis? Or do you think Steven Silas is kind of firmly in control of what we're seeing out there? <clears throat> well, you know, everyone that knows Rafael knows that he's very hands-on. He wants to be, you know, controlled because th- this is his, this is his project. You know, so understanding, but he's gonna want to have an input in how things are going. You know, it's not just about you selecting the players, you making the trades. He also um, talks to those guys on a regular basis in terms of X's and O's, all that stuff like that. Because he's very, he's a he's a basketball junkie, if that makes sense. So. Hmm. Um, I think to that point, I'm not sure if it's if it's impeding on what Silas is doing or the staff, just because Stone is always around. You know, you've seen our practice; he's always on the court, talking to guys, pointing stuff out, joking around. Um, but the problem with kind of that approach, I think, is when you have a coach like Steven Silas who is under a bit of pressure to to deliver. And you have someone in NFL that wants to win, but is going to be patient, but still at, at his hardest and still a competitor. You know, you kind of—it's hard. It's hard to maneuver. So, um, if they were to move away from Silas, um, I think an article said what was it, John Lucas? Would, yeah, would be that. The John Lucas would be candidate. Um, yeah. Lucas is very different than Steven Silas. Um, you know, it's kind of a—I wouldn't say a good cop, bad cop, but it's more of Lucas is old school. He's someone that's going to get in your ass. He's going to blow it up. He doesn't care. Um, he will yell at you. He will, he will scream at you. I've seen, like, <laughs> he looks like <laughs> not, not, not you getting yelled at, at Lu- by Lucas at Rockets practice. Yeah, he's yelled at me saying. before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at, at the heart, he, he's, a, he, he's a jokester. But um, he's someone that can light a fire under you. Um, and that's kind of why he was promoted to that role as lead assistant, someone that can help Steven bridge the gap between you know, the past and the, and the future. So uh, in regards to Rafael Stone, um, yes, he is pretty hands-on. Um, I'm not sure if that's really helpful to what they're trying to do because who knows if he's saying something different, you know, than what the coach staff is saying. You know, if he's if he's going to re- reiterate the same thing, then that's fine. But if he's telling them different things than what the coach staff wants, then that's a problem. So uh, until we know that, I don't, I don't know how you – go about that whole dynamic because I know Rafael and Silas are pretty close. 
We talk a lot about basketball on and off the floor. Um, but a one to sixteen team can change anything. Like the moves just change. Like it's just it's you're not so happy go lucky as we saw on media day when guys were coming in smiling, bright eyed. You know, this this is kind of taking their toll on this team a little bit. Um and we're not even a quarter way through. How different do you think the atmosphere around this team would be, Kelly, if 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 they were, you know, say, you know, four and you know, four and 13, five and 12, whatever, instead of this, you know, one and 16 start with a 15 game losing streak. Do you think the mentality shift, you know, would be drastically different? Well, I think so a little bit because, you know, one and 16 is just awful. Like the one game you won was against a, 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 a terrible Thunder team, you know, and who's also in a rebuild. So that's kind of fool's gold a little bit. You know, and in reality, you've lost 15 straight games. Like, that is a bigger indicator that things are not working than anything. Like 15 times in a row, you come up short every time. Now, if they were 5-12, and 12, yeah, then they, they would still be a bad team, but they can at least lean on a, a few performances and say, this is how we did it and got it right. Just do that more often. You only have one game, and that one game is because a terrible Thunder team. So you can't really lean back in that game as a reference point. It's almost like you have not won a game this season, pretty much. And the Thunder had have been better than Houston. Point blank period. Like they've been they've been in more games. Like they, they have some quality ones under their young belt right now. Um it just looks bad. Um and I think until they I think they have a pretty easy stretch coming up. Like I think the beginning of beginning of December. They have a pretty light schedule coming up. But if they don't get a game over there, <laughs> I don't know when they will. Honestly, I'm not even gonna play with you. Like it's crazy to think that the over under was twenty five and a half. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm even dumber for thinking that they would get to 27. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I had the peg this slightly over too, because, and I think that that that's a really good, good spot that I actually want to like segue into coming up, uh, you know, and, and, you know, talk about kind of the over under coming into the season and the perception of this team coming into the season versus what we're seeing now almost a quarter of the way through. And we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving and we all know what that means. Football and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has he covered for all the holiday action this season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. So head over to their new updated website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. It's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing action and offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Fantasy Basketball with host Josh Lloyd. If you care about fantasy hoops, you got to check out Josh's show. He is amazing. Kelly, you brought up a good point at the end of that last segment, talking about the over-under coming into the season. So is that an indicator? Because it is to me. I, I, I see that as an indicator of, even though this team was supposed to be bad, right? They weren't going to have playoff aspirations, right? There were some pie in the sky, you know, fantasies, Rockets fans are like, oh, maybe they'll fight for the play in. It's like, you know, how innocent were they um, at that time? But coming in, right, you know, the, the Vegas over under was not this abysmal, like process right. era level six or, you know, number. And so is that an indicator of 
the level of talent on the roster just completely failing to meet expectations. And where does, again, where does that blame get assessed, right? Do you then, do you, is that a referendum on like Rafael Stone and how he put the roster together? Is it on Steven Silas? Is it just a little bit of everything? You know, I, I wanted to bring up Christian. I mean, there's so many different variables at play here. Is it really just a culmination of everything at play? And there's not seemingly one, a one size fits all answer. So, you know, I'm not sure how accurate Vegas is year to year, but I want to say that they're not crazy off, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Coming into the season, when you looked at Houston's roster uh, after the draft, you could see and, and say, this, this this team could surprise some folks. They have a good blend of youth and, and, and experience, a good blend of athleticism and, and, and on-court savvy. 25 and a half might be a stretch, but it's not impossible to say, you know, 16, like from that range. But for them to look this bad, it means that the staff has not gotten the best out of these guys. And that's, you, if you're going to assign blame, you can only assign it. Because these are kids. They're looking to you for guidance, right? You have to put them in favorable positions to, 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 to make efficient offense on the floor. Um, I, I do think it's a mistake having them play entirely fat, too fast and, no sets. I, I think that's a mistake. I think young players need to learn how to play within the NBA offense. This is not high school. This is not college. You know, um, and, and even if you're not going to be there for the duration of the rebuild, you still want to build these guys into 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 capable NBA players. They're going to be different styles. You need to adopt in your NBA career, and you need to be flexible and fluid. In order to do that, a coaching staff has to instruct you in every possible th- possibility, like. You need to learn how to run a set offense. You need to learn how to run friends. You need to learn how to run, you know, double drags, pit down. You need to learn how to do simple sets. I'm not saying every plan has to be a, you go here, you go here, you go But there needs to be some kind of structure. And up until this point, there hasn't been. That's why you see at times offense looks discrepant. Like, it just looks awful. You're seeing guys pointing fingers of where to be, guys shaking their heads, coming back down the floor. It just looks really bad. Eric Gordon has been the most vocal about these guys being too – far in the season to make the kind of same mistakes over and over and over again. They have to play smarter and be mature. And it's asking a lot for a 19-year-old to kind of grow up that quickly. But at the same time, um, every every team in a rebuild right now does not look this bad. And to that point, you have to put that on the coaching staff of not getting the best or putting these guys in favorable positions to succeed right now. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it's it's I don't know how you turn it around right now because they just don't look like like they compete for in stretches of games, but putting that together for 48 minutes has been a struggle. And um, when you look at that, it has to do with rotations. It has to do with execution. That's all a coaching thing. It's not a player thing. These are professionals. They know how to play the game of basketball. But you're going up against other teams that are seasoned, that know what to do, that are experienced, that can tactically outsmart you if you don't put your foot on the gas, you know, so to speak. So I think until they reach, until they realize that you're not going to see much improvement. You know, as far as you, you mentioned, you know, and brought up the, the point about John Lucas potentially being tapped as a potential interim head coach, should the, the Rockets decide to move on from Steven Silas, which again, I, I think at this point isn't the right move. I think we're both in agreement there, right? Kelly, that moving on from yeah. Silas isn't the right move at this point. I don't think it's the right move. I don't think right now. You know, and frankly, I, I there's a part of me, I hope, right? Like, I hope that Steven Silas can be the guy to, 
you know, turn around, you know, whatever his level of philosophy is that, you know, he wants this free flowing. He wants to be more hands off and kind of let the players, you know, kind of orchestrate things themselves. I hope that he can turn it around and be a bit more hands on and, and run more sets and get them more organized because I think that he's capable of it. We just need to see it actually take place on the basketball floor. He's got that impressive resume for a reason. He impressed the Rockets brass for a reason. They thought he was going to be the guy to coordinate James Harden and Russell Westbrook for a reason. Right? So at that point though, I think there's a very interesting debate to be had, you know, if the Rockets were to move on from Steven Silas, that you might want to, potentially take a look at Will Weaver, right? As a guy who was also interviewing for other head coaching positions before ultimately becoming an assistant coach with the Houston Rockets. You know, he's a guy that some of the sets and some of the things that he was running during summer league when he was coaching the summer league team down there. I mean, things looked really, you know, he was creative with some of the set designs. He is a guy that I think could have a lot of success as an NBA head coach. What do you think about that potential idea down the line for the Rockets? I think Will Weaver is a genius. I've said this before on the show. Um, he's someone that knows his stuff. He has every, he's very respected overseas because of what he was doing, you know, over there. But um, I think the problem with something like that, it's not even a problem, but it's like if you were to promote Will Weaver, you do understand that these guys still have to deal with, you know, the Lucas dynamic, the Stone dynamic, you know, and Weaver's a smart guy. He's something that would make the Rockets look way sexier in terms of how they execute. I'm not sure how much he would put on development, and that's the problem with these guys. Like you have to, Steven, the, the style Steven Sons wants to run is for a veteran team because you trust veterans that they can play. They don't need a coach in their ear ten times in a game. You don't know what to do. They can. They've been through enough situations where they can just go on their own. Young guys need guidance. Young guys need structure. They need that. And up until this point, the Rocket staff has not wanted to do that. They they have these simple sets, and they they they, they essentially feed you to the dogs. So, if Will Weaver can show that he's going to be a development guy, like through and through, which is playing the young guys enough together, like not this half half and half stuff where you're still getting wild but Augustine fifteen plus minutes. No, that's not what people want to see. And that's not what you should be about right now. It it's, makes no sense. You have to make sure that you are a coach that is going to actually put pride in development. If you lose the games, that's fine. But if you are putting those guys on the floor, I don't think Rockets fans would be as mad if you were starting an all-young lineup and they were losing. I think they would understand that these are guys are going through the fire and they're going through trials and they're going to come out at the end of the tunnel better. But because you're mixing and matching stuff like that, like – Playing Alpern's fireman style that you know that was nonsense. Stuff like that just adds up, and you can't have that for a young team trying to grow and learn together because the NBA is a hard place to be in, quite frankly. And if you don't, if you don't keep up with the Joneses, you're gonna fall behind, and you can get caught up really fast, and then you end up like the Kings. You're going through years and years of of rebuilds, trying to come out of the rubble, and you're just stuck in the mud. So they have to be very careful that they don't end up like that, and that starts with you know, putting your foot down. Does your gut tell you that Steven Silas is going to be able to make the switch somewhere within this season, right? Because it, it you know, we, we're, we're almost a quarter of the way through and it feels like they're, you know, again, the identity, maybe, not there, the confusion, all of this. What's your gut? Maybe, tell you? maybe after the all-star break, but 
when whenever you know the season is on the on the back burner and you can play those young guys with a clear conscience, I think so. But right now, I don't think I don't see it. I just don't see it. It's hard to get a cat to change the stripes, right? And up until this point, Steven Silas has coached in the league for two decades. How many rebuilds has he been through? You know, on the sidelines, like through and through. Like he's someone that wants to be around older veteran guys. That just he's always going. To, he's he's going to always defer to those older guys on the roster. It's just how it's going to be, right? Maybe you can have some kind of, you know. Maybe if they make some trades to get some of those guys out, then you're kind of forced to play the young guys more. But um, my gut tells me I don't think you're going to see that much of a change between now and and you know maybe the All Star break. So that's why I told Rock's fans to strap in because it's going to be ugly and bumpy. Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. That is for sure. Kelly, as always, a pleasure being able to talk hoops with you. You got to let us know what you've got going on over at The Athletic right now. Oh, part two of the mailbag is coming out after Thanksgiving. Uh, I still have to do uh, a couple of those features. Um, I'm going to save one for a win. Like they just, it, it, Having good content just feels better when they win because it's like the subs are engaged. They want to find, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to feel like I'm throwing stories away, you know, when they're, they look as bad as they do. But I got some stuff coming for you. Yeah, same same here. Throwing pods away, you know, fifteen games deep, and do I'm gonna start doing pods with a bag on my head. That's what I've that's what I've decided. Is like I'm just gonna put a brown paper bag over my head. If they hit twenty, that's what's happening, Kelly. If they hit twenty losses in a row, you're gonna see me with a bag on my head oh, on man. Twitter, on the podcast, and I won't take the bag off until they win another game. That's what's gonna happen. You heard oh, it here God. first. It's 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 gotta happen at this point. All right, Kelly. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Broke down a lot, a lot of different angles from the Silas situation. We'll keep monitoring that very closely as it develops. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. As always, if you haven't done so, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app. Subscribe to the brand new YouTube channel. We would sincerely appreciate it. But for today's show, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.